0: Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, welcome once again to Dairy Stream, a very interesting topic of conversation coming your way today as we talk about the annual U.S. Dairy Sustainability Awards, which recognize dairy farms, businesses, and collaborative partnerships for practices that demonstrate outstanding economic, environmental, and social benefits. I also have a long-standing commitment to continuous improvement and a replicable model to inform and inspire others in advancing dairy sustainability leadership. Now, the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy is probably to present the 2020 Dairy Sustainability Award program. And we do want to give a special thanks to DeLaval, Fibro, USDA, Zoetis, and Syngenta for sponsoring this year's award. And our segment on today's Dairy Stream is dealing with the outstanding community impact winners. And today's really an interesting focus as our winners include Sustainable Conservation, DeJager Jaeger Farms, McGree Dairy, Western United Dairies, and Netafim US. Now, All five organizations are located in California and were nominated by the California Milk Advisory Board. This group is proof that organizations from different sectors can work together to improve complex sustainability challenges. And it's really a pleasure to have Ryan Flaherty join us. He's the Director of Business Partnerships for Sustainable Conservation. Richie Mayo he is the Farm Manager for DeJager Farms. And Dominic Rosini, who is the Agronomic Relationship Manager for NetFM USA. And Ryan, I'd like to start with you. If you can give us kind of some background on how this partnership really started and why.
1: Sure. And thanks for having us on the show. The partnership started about seven years ago. Sustainable Conservation was working with Nate Ray, one of Richie's colleagues at Diego Farms on a different project. And, and at the time, California was smack in the middle of a six-year drought. And Nate was concerned about their future water supply. So he was working with Netafim to switch their silage corn from flood to conventional drip irrigation. But with the conventional drip, that meant increased fertilizer costs and a missed opportunity to not use their readily available manure nutrients. So Nate reached out to us with what seemed like a, a crazy idea at the time of running lagoon water through drip tape. But we knew that if we could make it work, this flushed dairies would finally have a solution to improve their water and nutrient use efficiency. And Nate had also reached out to Netafim, floated the idea by them, and, and they were on board. Uh, they saw a new opportunity to support their customers and and their own vision of growing more with less. And then after a few years building and refining the system, we were awarded an NRCS conservation innovation grant, and that allowed us to bring in Western United Dairies, McCree Dairy and others to demonstrate the system's result. And that's how the award-winning partnership was found. And I'll, I'll just say seven years might seem like a long time, but if you really think about it, to move from concept to functioning system to demonstrated results on multiple dairies over multiple years, that's really a lot of work in a short period of time. And that's definitely thanks to all of our partners and great support from NRCS. And we certainly could not have done this without the funding from NRCS through the Conservation Innovation Grant as well as support from others, including General Mills and Nestle USA, among others.
0: Now, also with us is Richie Mayo. He's the farm manager for DA Farms. And Richie, flood irrigation is certainly more popular in the western part of the U.S. and many farmers in the Midwest really don't use it. So can you briefly tell us about the flood irrigation method that your operation uses? Absolutely, yeah.
2: Our, uh, our farm uses a flood-type system that we put up on levees or borders where we have leveled flatland to slope and drain. And the irrigation generally started with pumps, or sometimes we'll use gravity gates with the surface water. And in that way, we're able to start and stop controlled irrigation. And um, it's generally on the flat valley-type floor where we can control irrigation and slope to drain.
0: Yeah, Rossini is also with us. He's the agronomic relations manager with Netafim USA. And as we heard from Ryan, this all started like seven years ago, wow. back in 2014. A sustainable Conservation, Netafim and Diego Dairy all partnered to develop and test a subsurface drip irrigation system that uses manure effluent rather than commercial fertilizer. <laughs> I would think the conventional wisdom at the time probably still is for a lot of people. And they're saying putting manure through drip is difficult at best. So can you tell us more about this project? Process and how you overcame some of the technical hurdles and what the system really looks like and drip rate, et cetera?
3: Sure. No problem. Again, appreciate you having us on. Back in 2014, we were in the peak of the drought too, also over here in California. So we were trying to figure out how to utilize multiple water sources, which, which was one of the goals as well. And the challenge is, and, and always is, is trying to see how you can do something different. Netetham has always prided themselves on being innovators. So we said we think we can do it. So we went after the challenge. So the first challenge, like you were saying, was trying to see how we could get it through the system. So one thing we figured out is we had to kind of pre-screen it, which allowed us to take off some of the, uh, the large, Large debris, and then we put it through uh, basically conventional irrigation products after that. Uh, one thing is, we did have to come up with a blending, uh, an automated blending system because the effluent product that comes in always varies on how much nitrogen level it has in it. So, by us really learning how to automate that, we actually took the time to patent the automated pro- automation process of how to blend this together. So, we actually came up with a way that's cost effective to do that, and it's fully automated, which allows the farmers to keep farming and, and allows the system to do its job. And then it goes through uh, its commission sand media systems, that, which is a filter that has sand inside of it, to a certain size silica sand, that pulls out any debris that's larger than what can go through the system. In this case, we had to double it, and uh, we want to get enough to blends of 55 to 60% of manure water versus fresh water. We do blend it with fresh water because uh, we cannot take it 100% through, and then it goes out in the field. When we go out in the field, it's a standard system that we use in any buried drip system, SDI system, for uh, forage crops. So at that point, it just goes out and runs like a lot of other systems that Diego uh, Farms already has
0: on the farm. So just a little follow-up there, what is really the drip rate and how often does it run?
3: Well, the drip rate is we have actually have the, the emitters coming out of our Typhoon emitter. Um, we've also upgraded into our Aries emitter, which are specifically molded emitters for putting out um, exact amounts for each exact emitter. So we're running about a 0.16 to a 0.18 gallon per hour per dripper, and they're 14 inches apart down the dripper, down the line, and then they're 40 inches apart between the rows. And so you you'll apply the water as when you need it. So a lot of times farmers will use either soil moisture monitors, which we mandated we use in this situation because we were trying not to have any deep movement of water so that we kept all the nitrogen and, and fertilizers and everything else right there at the root zone so nothing got deep percolation, which is something we're, we're all fighting in, uh, in agriculture is to make sure we keep our nutrients where the plants are and not push down to the water water tables. And then the other thing is that, and then you just apply it as the plant needs it. So use uh, either soil moisture sensors or evapotranspiration rate, which is seeing how much the plant uses every week and you replace it that week. So it's going to vary on weather conditions, what stage the plant is in growth, and what you're trying to meet for your harvest needs.
0: Well, thanks, Dominic. Uh, Richie, I just want to get back to you. What benefits have you seen with the crops using the drip irrigation versus your standard manure application blended with irrigation water?
2: We've seen huge benefits on both a, a water consumption standpoint and also on an increased yield standpoint. We've seen anywhere from 25 to 30% reduction in overall water consumption and water application. And then we've also seen anywhere from about a 5 to as high, in some cases, as 25% increase in yield. And so it it really equates to a a crop per drop of almost 60% more from our conventional methods. The efficiency of the system of, of subsurface drip to begin with, and then also with this effluent injection have just been phenomenal. We've seen really great results from the, from the efficiency standpoint, especially on, on the from the standpoint of distribution uniformity, where with our conventional methods, um, you know, we're about 50% uniform across the flood field on both water application as well as nutrients, which leads to a little bit of an imbalance sometimes in, on, from both aspects. The upper ends of the fields would, would end up being over-applied with water and nutrients and the, the lower ends of the field being under-applied, and a lot of times the crop would show us that with production. With the SDIE system, um, we're able to get a lot closer to a 90 to even in some cases 92 or 94 um, percent distribution uniformity and, and, and percentage of efficiency, which is a, a much, much larger um, uniformity than our conventional plug systems.
0: Definitely some impressive numbers. Again, we are spending time with Ryan Flaherty, uh, Richie Mayo, and Dominic Rossini. They are among the group for the 2020 U.S. Dairy Sustainability Award winners that got the Outstanding Community Impact Award. Matter of fact, uh, the companies they represent are Sustainable Conservation, uh, the Yeager Farms, Negri Dairy, Western United Dairies, and Netafim USA. And again, you're listening to Dairy Stream. And I want to talk a little bit, Ryan, about, you know, we hear a lot about the regulatory landscape across the U.S. and how dairy farmers are stepping up to lead and meet the challenges that come with that. So, from your perspective, Ryan, what impact can this subsurface drip irrigation system make in terms of regulation and sustainability?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Make no mistake, environmental impacts are are creating huge challenges and, and business risks for dairies that must be addressed. But, you know, by nature, farmers and dairy producers are, are well set up to do this. They they care about the land. They're constantly innovating. And sometimes all we need to do uh, as an environmental NGO is to stop talking at them and start listening to their ideas And building support networks around them so their innovations can really take root. And and when we do that, the possibilities for improved outcomes are are huge. And uh, with this system, uh, for example, our work shows that producers can apply about 30 to 40% less water and manure nitrogen and get the same yield. And those are the median results we saw over multiple dairies in multiple years. And on top of that, UC Davis found a 70% reduction in irrigation related greenhouse gases. So that's a huge win for a producers' ability to continue operating in the face of environmental scrutiny and regulations. And then I would say, you know, what happens if we can expand that beyond the farm? If we can get this system to 100,000 acres of silage, let's say, in California, we could expect to grow the same amount of silage with about 61 billion gallons less water and 55 million pounds but less nitrogen and a greenhouse gas reduction equivalent to taking about 20,000 cars off the road and those are annual numbers so that's that's also a huge win for communities and the environment there are other opportunities out there like this you know we know that issues definitely differ from farm to farm and state to state but we also have common challenges and and this partnership really has been so successful because we built it on really strong relationships mutual interest uh, and and really importantly a willingness to provide support uh, needed to turn a farmer's great idea into reality. Uh, And that approach is highly transferable. So just, you know, take a look at the relationships that you already have, listen closely, and solutions are are probably there and just need buy-in and support to take off.
0: Well, Ryan, I think everybody that's listening to our Dairy Stream podcast today are applauding you and your partners for what you've accomplished and some of the figures you just shared because they are truly impressive. But like anything else, I'm sure there are some PR things you had to deal with. So I'll stay with you, Ryan, for a moment. Uh, did you face any public relation hurdles either from within the dairy farming community or the general public? And if so, you know how did you handle those? Well, you
1: might be Surprised at my answer, but at least for this specific partnership, not really, and and that's due in part to a lot of work that that all of us had done, kind of ten years prior, um, building relationships and building trust, and and we really built that with a wide range of stakeholders. And in fact, when we submitted our application to the NRCS for that conservation innovation grant, we had support letters from groups often at odds with each other, from from the dairy industry, obviously, to regulatory agency, to politics to environmental justice. And so that really just goes to show that we do not need to agree on everything, but we can definitely agree on something. And in this case, we could all agree that practical solution to improving dairy, water use, nutrient and uh, water and nutrient use efficiency was needed.
0: Well, it's good to see that communication and transparency can have a positive impact and maybe avoid some hurdles. Uh, Richie Mayo, I want to come back to you for a moment and talk about uh, using the subsurface drip irrigation? You know, by using that, what impact are you really having on w- groundwater quality?
2: Well. I- I just want to echo kind of what Ryan um, has already mentioned about just the the ways in which we're able to apply our lagoon water in a much more uniform and a much more efficient way, keeping the inorganic compounds that the plant naturally wants to take up during the growing process, keeping those compounds up in the root zone where they belong. And uh, with those nutrients, also not over applying the water. That's going to allow those nutrients to potentially be lost past the root zone and potentially have long term damage to water quality and things of that nature. So, really, it, it has a huge impact, a potential impact and benefit for water quality, especially when you are able to much, much more closely match the plant's timing of uptake of nutrients with the application of those nutrients so that you don't miss the target and uh, allow those nutrients to go past the root zone. And especially when it, when compared to current methods, um, current methods are in general a much less controlled and almost in every instance, definitely non-uniform, to say the least. So it, it has the potential of having a really large impact locally and specifically also for dairies that may have a slight disadvantage by landlock, landlockedness, maybe they don't have as much access to a large amount of land and it really allows them to match that uptake curve of nutrients with, with their water applications as well.
0: That is Richie Mayo. He is the farm manager of the Ager Farms. He, along with Ryan Flaherty, who is the director of business partnerships, sustainable conservation, and Dominic Rosini, who is the agronomic relation manager from NetFM USA is spending some time with us as they're part of the group that won the outstanding community impact award for the 2020 U.S. Dairy Sustainability Award. And we are going to be uh, continue our conversation in a moment, but before we do take our break, Dominic, one more question for you. We haven't really talked about uh, maintenance, as- aspect of this project, what kind of maintenance really is required on this system?
3: That's one of the great things about this is that it's not a huge maintenance t- uh, time taker like people would assume with running dairy and water through. Um, and there's a lot of major things for that. One is just the components and two is the fact that it's an automated system. Um, and, and it is told by by Richie or whichever partners in Globe Farm. So uh, what you really need to do is that we do run uh, the system like we should run most low- most Most any systems, when you're injecting any sort of fertilizer, the automation system allows it to turn off the manure side pump about an hour and a half before you shut off any water, which allows you to flush the complete system out with fresh water before you shut it down from anywhere from a day or an hour or if you're going to shut it for a week, just to make sure that you get all that type of fertilizer, which in this case would be the dairy effluent, out of the system, um, which are common practices we use with any fertilizer and chemical injection. And then when it comes to the dairy effluent, what is pretty unique on this is about once a month we do inject uh, something in through the filters. Uh, and that way uh, and we use a, an organic matter an organic type fertilizer you know hydrogen peroxide basically based chemical that can come through the filters and break up any sort of binding units or something that's not allowing the solid matter to get out of there that way we can back flush it back into the so being a, an organic certified chemical is going well not not hurt us to put the material back into the before spreading it anywhere else. Uh, then out on the lines about begin about once a month there'll be there'll be a, a line cleaner that goes out through there and every one of our producers chose a different line cleaner or something that they like to use and And that was not an issue either. They all cleaned out the system perfectly fine. The one thing you need to watch there is you don't want it to run too long that it pushes way away from the drip line when it goes out. Because when you are using line cleaners, sometimes they'll interfere with the microbials and other stuff that you have already injected into the soil that are breaking down certain stuff so it becomes useful nitrogen or materials that the plant can uptake. So you want to make sure when you when you do your line cleaners, you're not running big, long sets with it. You do a, a kind of a clean-out set, let it sit, and then go from there. But again, because it's fully automated, we can we can go ahead and run that system whenever you want. It allows the managers to do things from a distance. If they get an alert saying that the system's back flushing too often or something's going on they can go ahead and change that stuff on the fly you know even if they're are two three hundred a thousand miles away from their system they can go ahead and do that 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 off that automation through their telephone or, or through a computer which allows the system to uh to change which keeps you very efficient and the system running at high peak maintenance and so there's no no problems there
0: well, thank you all, gentlemen, for your insights as we give our conversation going on the Outstanding Community Impact Award winners, which were Sustainable Conservation, Diego Farms, McRee Dairy, Western United Dairies, and NFM USA. We will continue our conversation talking about what future goals do these gentlemen see for the next five to ten years for their partnership. That will be coming up right here on Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor.
4: Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy is a forum that brings together the dairy community to advance a shared, socially responsible platform through a framework of shared best practices and accountability. Initiated in 2008 by farmers through the Dairy Checkoff, the U.S. Dairy community collaborates on efforts that are important to the industry and dairy's valued customer, such as animal care, food safety, nutrition and health, the environment, and community contributions. This work is reflected in the U.S. Dairy Stewardship Commitment, industry's pledge to demonstrate its collective commitment to provide the world responsibly produced dairy foods that nourish people, strengthen communities, and foster a sustainable future. The Innovation Center is committed to continuous improvement from farm to table, striving to ensure a socially responsible and economically viable dairy community. Visit usdairy.com for more information about the work of the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy.
0: Well, Welcome back to Dairy Stream. I'm your host, Mike Austin. Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And today we're putting a light on a group of outstanding partners that are recipients of the 2020 U.S. Dairy Sustainability Award when it comes to outstanding community impact. We have sustainable conservation at the Jaeger Farms, McGree Dairy, Western United Dairies, and Netafim USA. Uh, they are being represented today by Ryan Flattery, who is the director of business partnerships for sustainable conservation. Richie Mayo is the farm manager at the Jaeger Farms and Dominic Rosini, who is the agronomic relations manager for NetFM USA. And we've been talking about the project that won them the award. And I'd like to go back to uh, you, Richie. And before the break, I talked a little bit about future goals. So can you tell us from your perspective and that of the uh, organization, you know, what do you see for the next five to 10 years for your partnership?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, I would say over the next five to 10 years, we're going to, Focus
0: um, as a farm
2: on keeping our heads down and keeping continuing to work on some of the um, issues facing our farm currently. Um, the climate in California for dairies is such that um, there are you know a lot of different ways in which we're um, trying to look for greater efficiencies in what we're doing, whether it's dairying in general, um, dealing with. Resource issues such as, you know, water scarcity, um, a lot of pumping restrictions that are starting to kind of become more and more of a reality for groundwater sustainability purposes. And as a farm, we kind of have a long-term outlook and we're, we want to be partnering with people like Sustainable uh, Conservation, NetFM and a lot of the other partners that were involved because these are a lot of the partnerships that are going to help us continue the process of being able to provide, you know, a really good nutrient rich product and the milk products that we provide. And, um, I think on just specific things that we're we're focusing on is really increasing the efficiency of water use and um, continuing to employ our low flow irrigation technologies and um, getting much more efficient with our water use on the consumption standpoint. Also, a lot of that has ramifications on the dairy as well with milk production, feed quality, and um, I would say over the next five to ten years, we're really just going to kind of continue to focus on. The environmental impact that we can, what we can control and where we can find new areas to help and where we can find um, new technologies and, and develop some things on farm to make a difference and um, just continue to, do, to, to seek that out.
0: Well, Richie, Ryan, and Dominic have done really a good job of painting the landscape for us of the involvement with the project, how it came together, how it works, how it's maintained, and where they hope to take it in the future. But now we'd just like to uh, conclude our podcast by talking about some takeaways for you, the listener, that you might want to invest in or at least further investigate. And we'll start with you, Richie. From your perspective, what advice do you have for farmers who might be interested in starting a subsurface drip irrigation using manure effluent?
2: Just a couple of pieces of advice. The first would be to just do an overall audit of your animal production facility. Whether you're producing milk or if you're a commercial feedlot or a commercial hog producer, really the idea is to understand a couple of different key parameters that can set you up for success long term. Um, and through this project, we've been able to kind of isolate and, and figure out some of those key um, factors. And one of the main ones I would suggest is to make sure that your animal units, whether it's a dairy cow or swine or beef animals, uh, the like, make sure that your ratio of land to animal units is in a pretty good position. Here where where we are at DeAgra Farms, we generally have about a about a two-to-one or a one-to-one ratio where we have you know, an animal for every acre. And that type of a situation is not always feasible for all producers. And so um, if, you can, if you already have a, a, the ability to spread your nutrients over a larger amount of acres, then you're going to be able to use this system successfully. And the reason for that is because you, you won't be in a nutrient excess from the get-go. Another important thing to understand is just the principles of drip irrigation. If you're new to using subsurface drip, um, one of the main things I would suggest is just to take a posture of preparing yourself to learn a lot, um, because there is there is a learning curve associated with drip irrigation. It's not your conventional style of flood irrigation that we're used to here in the Central Valley of California, but and it's also not um, waiting for rain like some some farmers have to do in the Midwest and places around around the states. Um, so definitely prepare yourself to learn a lot from the perspective of subsurface drip irrigation. And then lastly, I would say just to think of this project and to think of this um, technology as a tool in your toolbox. Farming has a a way of humbling us all and there's A lot of times we get into the perspective as farmers that, hey, if this technology really works like I think it is, it's going to be a silver bullet. It's going to change my entire farm as I know it, and it's going to fix all my problems. And I would argue that to just understand that it is a tool in your toolbox, and that it is exceptionally useful, and it is a learning curve, and that just to prepare to learn a lot.
0: That was Richie Mayo. He's the farm manager from Dieger Farms. And also with us today is Ryan Flattery. He's the director of business partnerships for sustainable conservation. And Ryan, I want to talk a little bit about obviously the economic commitment here, because I would assume starting manure drip irrigation can be a big investment. And I think earlier in our conversation, you talked about some cost sharing programs or grants. Uh, what really is available to a producer?
1: Yeah, even though we're environmental NGO, the economics are, are front and center in, in how we work. You know, nothing's sustainable unless it's economically viable and, and it's going to continue the business. So yes, manure drip irrigation is a big investment. And we also know that many dairies are already struggling financially. It's it's a tough, tough world out there. So securing cost share has really been an important piece of the partnership. We're happy to say that the system is now an approved practice in the NRCS conservation practice standard, uh, and that makes it eligible for EQIP. So uh, here in California, uh, currently EQIP can cover more than $2,800 per acre or about 80% of the capital costs, which, which was a really big win for us. Beyond California, you know, now that this is an approved practice, EQIP funding could be available in other states. So uh, if you're not in California, definitely reach out to your local NRCS office to ask. Another funding source that we were able to secure in California is a state water efficiency grant called SWEEP. And so I would just suggest if you're in another state that has a similar kind of water efficiency and ag program, ask about whether this type of system could be eligible. And then... also say that I believe you mentioned this, but uh, you know, regardless of cost share, we really want to be able to provide the information so that producers can feel comfortable, even considering the investment. So we've developed several guidance documents. they can learn more about when, where, and how the system works, and importantly, where it might not work. So you can check those out at our website. Uh, Go to suscon.org, that's S-U-S-C-O-N.org, and click on the technical resources tab, and you can also find our contact info there, so so get in touch with us. So, you know, we've done a lot, but but there's still a lot to do. And it's really important work. Uh, If we can increase adoption of the system, dairies that are facing water risks can stay in business and we can all benefit from the improved water and air quality that result. And we'd love for for others to join us. So uh, get in touch.
0: Well, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate the insight and the information and the other avenues we can go to. That was Ryan Flaherty. Also with us is uh, Dominic Rosini. He is the agronomic relations manager for NetFM USA. And Dominic, you know, when you talk about five organizations working together, that in itself is kind of a a rarity, especially considering how long you work together and what kind of future you're looking at. But, you know, staying organized with multiple organizations certainly can be a challenge. So can you share with our listeners just what you really do to stay organized? organized and have everybody on the same page
3: yeah no problem mike it it, it could be challenging at times but to kind of echo what ryan said earlier on some other subjects on this uh project it it really wasn't Uh, i work on several different projects sometimes getting everybody on the same page or focused on the same point is a challenge on this one really everybody stayed focused and everybody really communicated on you know, certain farming in industry uh, they can be overly competitive with each other that actually hurts the industry progressing uh, one thing that's really unique about the dairy industry is it really seems like everybody works together you know some of these dairies are that we had this in this partnership working several hundred miles away it's different a little bit different climates a little bit different situations but they all seem to try to work for the same potential end goal which was finding a solution for utilizing their affluent water they have on site so i mean in that aspect it really was everybody's open communicating really talked really would come together anytime we needed to and and that was wonderful uh, we did actually uh, between us and Suscon and a couple other partners we would have a, a bi-monthly phone call to make sure we just all got on the same page and and we're really focused on bringing what we could to the table in each one of our individual strengths and then cross over when we needed to. So that that's been a really big part. I mean, like Brian was talking earlier about their website. We we obviously have one at netfmusa.com that has a dedicated area that's just only for this project and, and for how to really go forward with implementing this on any one of your farms. Kind of nickname it the SDI-e affluent. And then we have links between us and SESCON so we can go back and forth between each other to really complement how to, how to move forward with really mass adoption of this. Like Brian said before, the end goal is really making something that's positive for farming in the state of California, as well as positive for farming across the United States, and then finding a solution for problems and then mass adoption so we can go forward with, with growing more with less, which I know is a real medicine theme. But in this case, it really does work utilizing less water, less fertilizer, uh, less impacts of the environment, but also increasing production increasing water use efficiency and, uh, and increasing uh, the goodness for who we're trying to feed. Um, in this case, it's a lot of the cow because it's forage crops, but that in turn uh, helps the environment and helps people with the dairy products that are made.
0: They are the 2020 U.S. Dairy Sustainability Award winners when it comes to outstanding community impact. We have represented Sustainable Conservation, DeJager Farms, McRee Dairy, Western United Dairies, and NFM USA. And we appreciate our guests today as they gave us some great insight, kind of recreated the entire process, and also gave us some opportunities and things to think about that we might want to adapt on our own operation. And again, it's all about sustainability. So, Richie, I'm going to close. With you, when we talk about your sustainability message, what would it be? What do you want to leave with U.S. farmers that are listening to this podcast?
2: Here at Digger Farms, we want to just emphasize the fact that we're positioned here in in the dairy industry as a family farm, tasked with the really important duty to provide a nutrient-rich supply of dairy products, and we find that in. One of the more pressing matters going forward in this industry is to continue to focus on closed loop, sustainable production methods that we can continue to do that work for generations, just like people before us have done in the similar ways. And, um, we really just kind of want to focus on sustainability going forward as different issues arise. We want to be coming together with partnerships like the ones that we've been able to complete here with this project and be able to get put our heads together, get in the same room, and and come up with solutions that have long-term benefits for the common good of of everyone involved. That includes industry, consumers, and the environment as well.
0: We all benefit when we're more sustainable, and this is a prime example. The winners of the Outstanding Community Impact Award from the U.S. Dairy Sustainability Award Program for 2020. They are Sustainable Conservation, the Yeager Farms, McCree Dairy, Western United Dairies, and Netafim USA. Our guests today have been Richie Mayo, uh, the farm manager for Dieger Farms, also Ryan Flaherty, the director of business partnerships for sustainable conservation, and Dominic Rosini. He's the agronomic relations manager for Netafim USA. Again, we want to thank the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy who presents the 2020 Dairy Sustainability Award Program. And we want to thank their sponsors, DeLaval, Fibro, USDA, Zoetis, and Syngenta. I want to thank you for listening. I want to again thank Joanna Guza for the great job she does of producing Dairy Stream. And again, I want to remind you, if you want to know what's happening on the dairy front, some insights on the entrepreneurs, innovators, and producers that are involved in this great industry we call dairy. Please join us next time on Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.